Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy. Whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional, a show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Welcome to episode 16 of Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed. My name's Chris Lawson in the UK, and I'm joined from Philadelphia in the States by Samuel Moni. Say hello, Sam. Hey, Chris. How are you, sir? Had a great week? Yeah, great. Thank you. Really good. Going going fast, but uh, you know, good to be here again. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to this week's show, Chris. Absolutely. So this week, we're going to be talking about a multi-billion pound support network, the marketing agency. Do you know, Sam, first agency was reported to be in 1786 in the UK by a man called James White and was broadly mm-hmm. an advertising agency, sort of at the advent of copywriting. Um, but interestingly, uh, the first American agency was in your hometown, Sam, in Philadelphia in 1850. Do you know that? Yeah, I didn't know that. And that, 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 I did not know that. And I will be telling folks, but it kind of makes sense the fact that this was formerly the capital and has the constitution. So yeah, it kind true. of makes sense that the first would be here. Yeah, that is true. So that agency placed ads produced by its clients in various different newspapers. Now, clearly since then, there's hundreds, if probably if not thousands of multidisciplinary agencies supporting all aspects of a marketing mix. They've gone through a life cycle of independence to boutiques to conglomerating around global networks. But satisfaction can be quite low. Often they can be, appear a bit outdated. You hear quite a lot of grumblings about agency client relationships. Yet some of the most gifted people in the marketing industry come from agencies. And quite often they're the unsung heroes behind transformation or advertising campaigns. Um, and that, I think, is something that needs to be addressed, really. So so what is the role of the agency and and have they had their day? What do you think, Sam? Uh, I would say no. Uh, They haven't had their day. I'm biased. I've had years on the client side, and I'm actually now working on the agency side as a marketing transformation consultant. So I I, I don't believe they've had their day, and I love them, Chris. You know, you use an agency as uh, as a partner with a particular set of expansive skills in supporting and solving your business issues, and that's the main one. It's not just creating ads; it's actually solving your businesses and and really doing doing work that helps propel the the initiative, the program, the product forward. The agencies I've had in my career have always had my back, and they've helped with the gnarliest and the most tricky business challenges. And when things work out you'll get noticed by the consumer or the customer, which is most critical. You'll also get noticed by the marketplace and by shareholders, and then ultimately internally by your leadership, which is great. And for me, it's happened throughout my career, be it the PR agency, a company called Red PR in the UK, that got momentum behind a really unsexy category of of blood pressure monitors I was responsible at the time. The creative agency that helped me build the visual and in-store well to turn around the declining blender business that I had in the UK. And then in the US, an ad agency called YNR that helped turn around a declining major appliance business, always turning things around and helping make things better. So, but then there's the dark side when things don't work. I found it's because there's some sort of dysfunction in the system. It could be on the client side because so many marketers just don't know how to work with their agencies. Mm. And they're a bit of a punching bag and they get treated more as a vendor than as a partner. And that 
they get caught in the middle. And for me, that's kind of the, the ch- a bit of a challenge in the system that's been perennial for quite a while. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think some of my best experiences when they've met an unfulfilled need. Um, Albion was our strategy and creative agency instrumental in driving the Absolute Radio brand uh, through at launch time. We had 100 days to launch that brand and without the input of a CEO and a strategist and the creative director, we just wouldn't have got there. It was a guy... Glyn Britton, brilliant guy who did a lot of the strategy. Jason Goodman, he he helped drive it through and he, and he really did do that. And it was an incredibly hardworking team and we would mm-hmm. never have achieved that launch without them. A measure of, or a mixture of creativity, guts, I think, certainly bravado, um, certainly bringing hours to the problem to help solve it um, and making sure you had access to the top level talent at the right time. And, and also mm-hmm. they, they acted as your conscience and they acted as the devil on your shoulder, encouraging you to be a bit bolder as well and making sure that the job got done. Uh, so I, I look back at that brand and I'm, I'm proud to see that a lot of the imagery that we put in place is still being used 10 years on. So, But it could be so different though. I've, I think what they did well was that they put team members in our office because we were moving so fast. We had a direct pipeline to that key strategic talent and we worked until the job was done and it was seen as one team and one effort. So I think that was a success, but honestly, Sam, I've been in many scenarios since where it -hmm. feels like the exact opposite. And I do question Mm. whether it's becoming increasingly difficult for agencies to support companies, uh, partly Mm. because it's difficult for them to move fast enough. Um, Do they really have a greater level of expertise than the the client company in the first place? And are they performing more of a role than actually just providing um, resources when it's required? Uh, And I I think you Mm. can get you can get used to calling on agencies when you don't want them on your overhead book or don't want marketing resources on your overhead. and also when you're in a bind because you haven't planned properly. And that's never when you're going to get the best value out of your agency, although it can be quite lucrative for them. Yeah, that that kind of makes sense. I like those three points you make there. And as you're talking away there, I was listening, Chris, but I was drifting off into a scene from Jerry <laughs> Maguire, which is a film that every marketer should go and watch because there's so many analogies and so many metaphors for, for the advertising and, and industry and the relationship that clients have. And Ultimately, Jerry Maguire is an agent, someone you have to pay for their service. And Rod Tidwell is the athlete who is looking to get the best contract possible or get get the best best deal, the best work possible. And for me, there's a scene in there where, where Jerry says to Rod, help me help you. And it's a, f- a famous scene that's been played over and over. But the sentiment behind this is that uh, Rod thinks he should get the best work, the best contract, the best deal. And it's um, Jerry says, listen, it's I say this with great respect to you and then proceeds to say, help me help you. And so the client is the problem. And I think that for me, that film, it just sums up so much of what the, some of the challenges are and through my career. And I've had to get that kind of talk from my agency. Uh, I remember early in my career, I was working on the blood pressure monitor category and the agency, PR agency had come up with an idea, went through the account manager, then the director, then the VP. And next thing I know, I'm getting a call by the managing director of the company who believed in the idea, but I was still needed some convincing. And I look back now with like, oh, hiding my face because clearly it was a great idea. Clearly it was going to work, but I was just hard work to deal with. And it it worked out in the end. So sometimes you've got to look at yourself 
yourself in the mirror and actually you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Yeah, it's a good point. But but in the modern marketing world, I think we're talking so much more than brand agencies now in a lot of digital scale-ups. Mm. They're almost the last yeah. expertise that they're looking at bringing in, not the first, because they let the product do the talking in the first instance. And, and actually they start with uh, supplementing expertise in search, performance marketing and advertising or technology integration. So they're buying a certain expertise uh, and make sure that that's getting the job done. And, and in a way, that's why I set up Moreno as a collective rather than having an agency with resources on the book, because after 15 years at a client side director, I was tired of paying for overheads when really I only want a specific task done. It was a bit like eating in an all-you-can-eat buffet when it just doesn't feel right when you just want to pop in for a snack. So, so when I set Moreno up two years ago, I wanted to make sure that my customers were paying for the value that they were receiving and limit the amount of resources that, that were needed. So for a branding project, I would bring in uh, a, a, one of three excellent creative directors I'd worked with before or another CMO to bounce ideas off. Or, and for a performance marketing challenge, I'd bring in someone who has learned fast in an aggressive, hungry environment or a subscription expert. Uh, but I would make sure that these were resources that were required for the job in hand so so yeah i, I think that's that's one of the modern day challenges Sam. yeah I, I agree it's about what gap the brand has and how you fill it i, I just remember in recent most recent role i had was in digital transformation and I had to be mindful that not every answer to every question was digital. Mm. And so for me, it's about gi giving the real real and not a sales pitch. It, you can't be a, a biased or self-serving view. You've actually got to solve the challenge that, that the client needs and the business problem um, mandates. Is, is it in your wheelhouse or not? It needs to be an unfettered advice. So whether if you're the ad agency, you really got to think about the situation. And if the better solution is in-store, on-pack, online, or not not just TV, that's, that's critical that you're actually giving the sound and sage advice. I think there's there's another challenge going on in the, in the industry, and it's a disconnect between information and understanding. There's a lot of tools, resources, packages, and platforms all plugged into things. But so you've got a Salesforce and HubSpot and Datarama and all these things going on. But then if you ask why, why are you doing this or why are you using it, you don't get a good answer. And I think the agencies have to be part of that solution and be helping with um, in, informing and advising in, in the right way. And building on that, then, I think the other big area is stop keeping me hmm. dumb, you know, or leaving me just enough information to be dangerous. There's a huge opportunity to be building capability. A lot of the work I do is actually helping upskill and reskill, especially on the client side, so they actually have the information. So there's, a, there's an element of teaching that's required from the agencies as well, so that there's a knowledge transfer and a knowledge uplift onto the client side. Yeah. Good, good shout there. Uh, but I think taking a step back, it's it's also, I think, one of the biggest challenges is that, that pitch process itself. It's, it's trying to make sure that as a client, you're not trying to get all of that value out of the pitch process uh, because it becomes a lose-lose situation. And I, I think this is where the agency model breaks down, I think. And I think that blame lies on both sides, really. The client demands to be convinced mm -hmm. of everything in a pitch process and and all the cost is put on the agency but in order to compete the agency must compete so therefore they chuck a kitchen sink at it all their resources they often over promise I, I was chatting to someone in the agency world the other day 
And he talked about a desperation to win. That meant that you undercost or overpromise. And the client mm. buys the rhetoric mm. and then everyone ends up disappointed. Now, that I think is a, a real challenge. And if you're running a pitch for the first time or the hundredth time, you have to remember three things. One, keep a brief tight and build from there and then mm -hmm. use that as a way to test a relationship. Second, we're all human. That means that we don't have the perfect answer to start off right. with, but we do have a capacity to collaborate in order to find the perfect answer. So it's a collaboration exercise, not just asking someone to come and um, impress you. And the third thing, it is all about mm -hmm. chemistry. Spend time getting to know the people who actually will be working on the account, not the ones that are just good at delivering the sales pitch, because they are the ones that are going to be making the difference at the end of the day. Yeah, those are the three great points, and I, they should be part of the ongoing tracking and measurement process. And I'm going to focus on the brief, because that's such a fundamental area that is critical to success going forward. And it's an interesting um, time for me to reflect is it one of the most humbling times in my career was when I asked my agency partner to to you know how's my how's my brief and you know it's it's good okay just give me a score give me a score out of 10 and the answer was four and I'd said no no not a score not a grading <laughs> out of five I said out of 10 and they just said yes yeah, Sam it, it's still a four which was huh my briefs suck they're terrible they're awful all this time you've been I've been giving you crap basically and you haven't had the guts to tell me and I've been asking that question for 15 or so years. And it's amazing that if you ask creative directors and agency people from across the world, I've asked in Germany, UK, US, everywhere I go, they always give you the same answer. Most briefs get a four or five. And so that's a huge opportunity to raise that mm. bar. And so the challenge for clients out there is, or marketers and the brand managers, are, are you prepared to ask your agency, how, what's, what score does your brief get? And equally, are you prepared for the answer? Because if your answer is a four or a five, which basically it will be, then their effort is to raise the bar on the agency side and help you get better. They, you need to be serving up briefs that are an eight and, or a nine, perhaps, and they add the magic dust on top. But if you're serving for a brief of the four, the best you're going to get is a seven, and it's not going to work out. So that, for me, is, is a big bugbear. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I'd hate to see my grades, Sam. Yeah, guilty, I think. Guilty as charged. Okay. Well, they send me a few across and I'll, I'll give you your scores back. But but in all seriousness, if there's a six-point plan that I put together for for doing it well, for for what goes into a great brief, it's... First of all, having the process and the discipline of grading, whether it goes to the CMO, you could have a gold, silver, bronze, so gold and, and maybe silvers go through and bronzes get reworked, get discussion, get review. And the other five elements of a great brief then would be having an objective that's smart, a smart, clear, um, distinct objective, a clear audience description of who you're going after. Having an insight, it's critical to have a, a key, clear insight in the brief. And if there isn't one, crafting one and making sure there's one there. Having a timeline, just determining when you actually need something and not being vague and wishy-washy about that. And then the final one is actually you need to have a budget. Now, yes, that may sound obvious, but you'll be, you, you'll be surprised, but you probably won't be surprised, the industry horror stories of budgets that aren't there or budgets that were high at the beginning and then fall away over time, which basically undermines trust. And it just means that the vision, the mission, everything you had in mind doesn't get delivered because the budget ultimately wasn't there or isn't sufficient to do the task that's needed. So that's kind of a six-point plan when it comes to briefs, Chris. Yeah, good. And I think that works well for large organisations, and I can see how important that would be at places like The Guardian. But but I think you've got to be careful not to overgeneralise as well, because there will be smaller organisations where they just want 
um, one specific task done or one project. So you need to make sure that you can deliver that, uh, not necessarily over the course of improving all the time, but start off well as well. And I, and I think also there, there are places where I've worked where there's a cultural resistance to using agencies, even hostility in some cases, and it's seen as something that you should be able to do yourself. So so I come back to the fact that sometimes you can't base your business model on doing everything for your client or it being a long-term relationship. Sometimes it is just about getting the job done that they want in place of that time. Um, and, and some of that I think is down to education on the client side in terms of how to use agencies and some of it is down to how agencies can best evolve to support the clients. I'll, I'll take the first one, you can take the second one, Sam. If we think about education first, you're a marketing manager or a search engine expert and you've reached a point in your career where you're asked to supplement your work with an agency by your boss who said, right, okay, or she said, right, we need to look at this. Mm-hmm. What other we need to increase how quickly we can do something or increase our expertise? And that tends to be the, the reasons you'd go, we need more support, we lack expertise, we lack confidence on how to do this right or we've always used agencies. Mm-hmm. So so that, I think, is is interesting because we will mirror the behavior that we've seen in the past. So we will repeat the, the work that we've seen from our elders, so managers that we've, we've copied or how mm. the company has always done it. And I think it's important to always take a step back and ask the agency how to get the best out of them. Don't bluff your way through it. I think a lot of relationships, agency-client relationships, start start off on the wrong foot from that point. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes so much sense. And building on that, as you're as you're talking about that, it's I would say the the role of the strategists and the planners, the people who have the skills and knowledge that, to make the client smarter and to solve the business challenge, they're a huge part of the process, and they're they're kind of they're hidden often so i'd say actually unlock the hidden value of the relationship those folks who are doing those roles um they are good at facilitation ideation session and a lot of the in-housing is 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 highlighting the fact that clients don't have this skill set and they don't want to pay for stuff but if you actually showcase the value strategists and planners and and those strategic thinkers that's a huge unlock the other thing i would say that is a, 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 a positive move is focusing on working in agile ways. And again, from my experiences, the agencies are actually really, really good at doing that. They tend to be faster, um, being, being able to bring in different resources, quicker decision making. And that's something that tends to get slowed down on the client side. It, you know, things just disappear in a, a black box for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. There's a big meeting that's supposed to happen, but then no decision and no feedback. And so understanding how the agencies are, are wired together and the clients was working more in that way. And then the other area I'd say is trust. We talked a lot about it in a prior episode, but that's a huge area of focus that the the agency and clients should work better at to build that and working in a way that decisions are more predictable, there's more accountability, and there's two-way communication. Those are sort of some of the areas that I'd be working on in the client and agency side to actually raise the bar and get things moving in the right direction. Yeah, good, good, yeah. There's a there's a guy called Hugh Cameron um, at PhD. He's, he's now the chairman, I believe. But but he, he was a strategist that worked with us on uh, the guardians of marketing strategy whilst I was there. And incredibly insightful guy. Um, and and he, he drove an awful lot of what we did. Uh, absolutely 
fascinating. So if you can find those people and mm. hang on to them, uh, but again, he worked in an agile way and he he adopted the systems and we trusted him in, implicitly. So uh, yeah, a great guy and a good example of that, I think, within the agency. So that's almost a summary in itself, I think, Sam, but I, I do think it's worth saying that I think we've pointed out some of the key strengths of an agency and how to get the best out of them. But the current model is in need of improvement. It's too slow, doesn't allow a clear way to demonstrate value and, mm -hmm. and potentially can hide the expertise, which is why I prefer to try and pick and choose who I work with. So, so Sam, why, why don't you give us the three takeouts of, of, of today's session? Yeah, I'd say the first one is actually think beyond the pitch, which seems to be a bespoke element and a, and a specific activity. But you've got to think about the overall long-term plan, a long-term vision, or just the strategic outcomes if it's if it's more a, a short-term need. But what is actually, what are you looking for? And just don't focus on all the, the pitch and the sizzle there. Make sure that you, you've actually got a holistic point of view of what you need and why you need it. The second one, and the critical one is the fundamental power of the brief. It's a craft, it's an art and a science, and it's something that should not be deprioritized. It's actually one of the most fundamental areas of any relationship with it between the agency and client. And I talked earlier about a six-point plan on how to craft an awesome brief. And then the third part, again, until the AI, the robots, and the algorithms take over, is this is a human process. right? And so it's all about people and chemistry, and you should never forget that. Building those relationships take time. Invest as much as in, in the relationship as the requests and the ask. If you don't really build a strong, successful uh, partnership approach versus an adversarial vendor approach, you're doomed to failure. So those are my three, Chris. Good, good. And Graham, maybe we need to come back to showcasing some agencies that are disrupting their own marketplace as well. I'm, I'm sure we've got some good examples of that of that are out there. So Sam, next week, we're going to be talking about taking the fight to the competitors. How do we create standout? How do you push yourself as the competitors without falling into the gutter? And we'll also be covering about how the agencies can help support you as well. So looking forward to that. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I'm, I'm glad that we're building on um, themes that we've talked about in the past. And then let's take it to the next level on the, the role and the power of agencies. So can't wait to research and record that show, Chris. So until next week, have a great week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformedshow at gmail.com.